Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop Episode 25 The Lassie I finally managed to find that book You know, the one I was flipping through before Kronos and I got yeeted to the Bronze Age to visit the original Madame Honora. It had disappeared by the time I got back, even though I'd put it in my reading spot before falling through time. Outlander made it look a lot more fun, by the way. I've been casually looking for it ever since, but as I said before, books are never where they're supposed to be in the shop. This time, it was on top of a hat box, which was on top of one of the larger wardrobes. No hat in the box either, just odd gloves and socks that took great pleasure in snowing doon on me when I lost my grip on the edge. After picking up someone else's laundry, I squirrelled away with the book again. I was half expecting to open the first page and find something completely different to before. For the temple to have transformed into another foreign landscape. I think I was almost disappointed that it hadn't. The girl wasn't in the temple though, the one for the cover, with the red hair and tendency to move about. The temple remained the same with colourful frescoes, a heroes, a legend, epic battles and beautiful romances. If I looked hard enough at the shrines to the various deities of this land, I could have sworn there were more offerings at the foot of the carved busts than there had been the last time I'd looked. Over the page was the city encircled by a river. The lantern still lit and twinkling against the backdrop of a night sky, reflecting fe the tiled roofs a red and purple. The girl wasn't on top of the waterfall, or on the bridge, or in the cobbled streets. Had I imagined her? I flipped back to the cover. She was still on that, at least. Maybe I'd just imagined her on the paper itself in the 3D world that climbed for the book. I flipped a few pages on until I found the place where I'd been before. Only this time there was a story box in the corner. I turned back to the previous page to confirm I'd no just missed them before. I hadn't. The page where the text began was a forest, each paper tree cut and coloured to show the scarlet red and warm amber of the leaves as they shimmered in an imaginary autumnal breeze. This wasn't a forest like you think, all green and brown and mud. This was colourful and vibrant, fantastical and impossible to see on this earth. The trunks of the trees were silver or pure white, like perfectly clean silver birch. Some were tall and thin, swaying into each other, branches round branches, close enough for the squirrel-like creatures to walk between them rather than jump. 
Leaves werny the green a spring and summer, or even the yellow a autumn, but bright crimson, the colour a sunrise or sunset. Occasionally, amongst the sea a red, there's a burst a yellow or orange, vibrant and shocking, like an ink smudge on paper. The ground isn't covered in moss or mulch or mud, but the discarded leaves that flutter doon, dislodged by the wind to fall and create a blanket a red. Amongst the trees, the fluttering leaves and strange forest creatures was the red-haired lassie fae the cover. One moment she peeked fae behind one of the larger silver trunks. The next, her legs were dangling fae a branch, her hand about to catch one of the fallen leaves. My eyes danced over to the story, neatly printed in a fancy box at the 2D edges of the three-dimensional forest. I'm trapped in this forest, the text reads. Help me. I look at the lassie, new sitting cross-legged on the forest floor amongst the red and yellow leaves, holding one in her hand by its delicate stem. She's small amongst the trees, but for a fleeting moment I think her eyes look up at me, into me, through me. There's no other text on this page, no story, no reason. I continue, turning over the page. I'm near the end of this book now, no many scenes to go. This one is a snowy glen, a frozen river winding through sloping white hills. In the distance there's mountains, steep and craggy, their white tops piercing through clouds that try to blanket their peaks. Everything is covered in white, the fir trees in the valley, the hills at either side of the frozen river. If I ran my fingers across the paper cutouts, I felt as though they'd come back wet for where the snow had melted on my fingertips. I didn't know how someone could get a 2D image to look so real. On one of the hills, one of the shallower slopes, was a shock a red, sketched into the shape of a person. The lassie was the only hing that wasn't white or grey. She had a red coat on, crimson, clashing with the orange of her hair. I could see the tops of her green wellies poking out through the snow, which held her up to her ankles. Her path is carved through the snow, winding up through the river. She's no looking at me this time, but straight up the hill towards a peak that I can see. There's a text box on this page. I didn't deserve this fate, it continues. Help me. When I look back to where the lassie should be, she's gone. No red against a white background, no footsteps through the snow. I would have thought I'd imagined her if I hadn't seen her red jacket hanging via branch a nearby tree. I turn the page, the last 
page. It sprawls out in front of me, and rather than the moat, the drawbridge, the ramparts and turrets, I'm looking for this red-haired lassie. I look along the walls of this fortress, cast in grey stone, flags of every colour streaming like ribbons in the wind. You can fold down the wall to see inside the grand courtyard, the horses in the stables, the carriages and carts in the midst of being unloaded. Yet the place is empty. There's no a soul in sight, just like every other page. I scour the courtyard, in every glass windy of the castle behind, at the top of every turret and rampart. I eventually find her on the stairs up to the main door of the keep. The door behind her is painted in royal blue, a foreign and unknown coat of arms carefully drawn. She looks small in comparison to the rest, a drop in the ocean. She's been the only constant, the only thread joining all of these wonderful scenes. She's never mentioned. There's been no story, no background, no setup. All of these strange places, and nothing about them, nothing about who she is, how she skips fe page to page, scene to scene, except fe vague text boxes. There's one on this page as well, just like the ones before. Sign your name and you can help me, it reads. I look for the place it means, the blank line that usually beckons for a signature. I didn't find one. I then turned over the last page, the one where the credits would be, or an advert for another book. The inside of the back cover. There's none of what you'd expect on this page. There's no advert, no about the author section with her best modelling face at the top, or personal information no reader really gives a shite about. On the final page of this book, there's a text box, bigger than the previous, that says, This book belongs to... And the blank line where a name should go. Where a bairn would scribble in crayon a word that looks like their name should. I didn't have a crayon. No, I know what you must be thinking. No sane person signs their name no knowing what's going to happen. For all I knew, this lassie could be a demon and by signing my name I was agreeing to be tortured for the rest of eternity. Or if I put my name in this book, I might swap places where, trapped in this 2D world of wonder. It's strange, though, how none of those thoughts really crossed my mind at the time. I just wanted to see what happened. I didn't need to find a pen. Absently, I was tracing my hand across the line when an M appeared in red ink. I inspected my finger and saw no pinprick, no wound that would indicate it was my blood. I kept going, tracing the rest of the letters, 
curl in the Y to join the A at the end. And then I waited. I didn't know how long it took, but it wasn't instant like I'd been imagining. The book began to get cold, freezing almost, like you've held ice cream in your hands for too long. My hands began to get sore, almost like an ice burn, and eventually I had to throw it on the ground a few feet away, inspecting my hands for damage. The pages began to flip open and closed, flitting between red and orange forests to snowy landscapes to spectacular waterfalls. Back and forth, jumping round until I felt like the pieces of paper that made up this wonderful world would collapse in on themselves. Eventually it closed, snapped shut with an angry click, as though locking away the contents. I saw a pair of wellies behind the book, standing in the aisle of the shop, flanked by the typewriter box and carved coffee table. I dragged my eyes up, past the green wellies, the black tights and the velvet green dress, to the shocking mop of orange hair sprouting fair heed. She was smiling at me, and began to stretch like Kronos did after he'd had a nap. I was frozen. I mean, what else are you supposed to do when the person you've been following page after page suddenly jumps out their own book? After she was finished, she pinned me with a stare. She said I was smaller than she'd imagined. Her forest green gaze began to roam round the shop, just like any other customer. Except she wasn't any other customer. She looked human. She smelled like pine. As to anything else, that was anyone's guess. Mystery Lassie thanked me for releasing her for her prison. The book, she informed me, was made by a tricky person many decades ago who'd sought to punish her by trapping her inside, where she could do no more harm. She claimed said harm wasn't her fault. I asked for her name. She refused to give it to me. That's what got her in trouble in the first place, she claimed. If I knew her name, I could trap her in the book once again, because I was the owner of it now. I'd signed my name. Thanks to me, she had her freedom once again. I began to think that wasn't a good thing. Why does anyone go to so much trouble to put someone in prison? Because they're dangerous. And I'd just let that dangerous someone out. I could tell by the way her mouth twisted into a grin, showing all your teeth in a predatory way, that she sensed I knew my mistake. Happily, she reminded me that without her name, I couldn't do anything. And to prevent me from cheating, 
I wasn't allowed to ask anyone about the book. I got the sense she knew about the shop, where she was and who was in charge. Madame Norna knows about everything. She would know about the book. And I couldn't ask. I didn't realise this at the time, but that ginger bitch had cast some kind of spell on me. I physically can't tell anyone about the book. Whenever I go to mention it, even in passing, I say something else entirely. No one in the shop knows. I'm surprised I've got through this diary entry. She didn't stick round for long after she cursed me to never mention the book or her. And there was nothing I could do to stop her. After she was gone, I scrambled over to the book that lay discarded on the floor. The cover was still intact, the waterfall overlooking the multicoloured roofed city. Except there was something missing. The lassie on the front cover, the one with the ginger hair, was gone. The book wouldn't open no matter how hard I tried to pry the pages apart. Perhaps the prison only opened when someone was inside. I've tried to show anyone the book, but whenever I'm about to hold it up, the cover changes. Illustrated Shakespeare, a workwoman's guide to clothing, a dictionary of deed languages. So, I'm not feeling great about this one. That lassie has me nervous. But didn't he think I've given up? Somehow, I'll find her name and I'll put her straight back in that book. I just hope she doesn't do too much damage whilst I'm trying to figure this out. Thank you for listening to episode 25 of The Antique Shop. Episode 26 will be released in two weeks' time. Just a small announcement, if you do follow me on Facebook and Twitter, which I highly recommend doing, and you filled out the poll that I asked about our community page, then thank you very much. The overall impression I got was that some of you, enough of you at least, would like a place that you can discuss the podcast, or podcasts, I don't mind if you do both. So what I've done is I have created a Reddit, a subreddit, sorry, God. Granny Ghostly Thistle. I've created a Reddit. So if you go to Reddit and you search for the Antique Shop Pod, then you will find the very empty looking subreddit page that is dedicated to the Antique Shop podcast. But I also don't mind if you want to talk about the McElroy statements either. I just didn't want to call the thread or the subreddit after me, essentially. I thought that was really kind of a bit too egotistical of me. So I have named it after the antique shop because obviously there's a lot more world building in this podcast than there is in the McElroy statements. But again, as I said, I don't mind if you guys do want to discuss the McElroy statements. So if you do want to join in the discussion or start the discussion, because I'm currently the only member, (laughs) then do head over to the subreddit, the antique shop pod, and you can start interacting with each other and 
possibly with me, considering I'm the only one that really has any answers to anybody's questions. Um, So yes, thank you so much. And remember, go and join our new community and I will see you next time.